1: Hello Island friends, let me tell you about Tim Eccles. Mr. Tim loves Georgia and helps keep our rates low. He knows everything about energy and has led by example. I hope you listen to his radio show called Energy Matters. Join me in supporting Tim.
2: This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by Arnold Golden and Gregory.
3: Hey, I'm Tim Eccles. I'm vice chair of the Georgia Public Service Commission and my co-host, Casey Boyce, we're gonna be talking about some Cool technology today, Casey. Absolutely. It's great to be here. Good morning to everyone that's listening. Dave Elvey, he's been on our show before, he works with Pago, been with him 10 years, 30 years in the business. Um, and before that, at
4: Auburn. Oh, my. Oh, my. You're wearing orange yeah, today. I, yeah, guys t- yeah, I was going to say, it looks like all of you. I see a lot of red shirts and here and hats. And I want to congratulate you, dog fans, for finally winning the big game. I, I sense more relief than I sense joy. Yeah. There, there is, is a lot of, of relief. relief, but
5: we finally found the Auburn fan that's going to congratulate us, yes. Tim. Yeah, so yeah, he
0: yeah.
3: exists.
5: That's <laughs> we, we've kidding. won our
3: championships <laughs> in the past. Yeah, we've got uh, him captive, that's why. Yeah, uh, <laughs> exactly. uh, we've got a microphone gun to his head here.
4: Um, <laughs> well, um, I, was, I was telling when I walked in here, we, uh, I actually met my wife in Athens, hmm. In, hmm. in Sanford Stadium during the Auburn-Georgia game in 1989, and I remember sitting in the stadium and and with with a bunch of my friends turned around and she was sitting right behind me and um, I guess you could say it was love at first sight. We exchanged business cards. So we both graduated and we started dating literally the next day we went on a boat ride on Lake Lanier. Wow. wow. You mentioned something about a flask. Um, <laughs> it's, it's possible there was a flask in that story somewhere, yes. <laughs> if you don't mind me asking, what year was it? 1989. So the
5: the statute of limitations are done. We and can we, talk about and the And flaskes. we won that game too, by the <laughs> way. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, we'll I,
3: you know, as as you may not know, uh, Logan does, in case he knows, uh, I was pre- of the Baptist Student Union, right? <laughs> and on game days, yeah. we put up signs on the doors, mm-hmm. absolutely no alcohol allowed in the building right. uh, because people want to come in and go to the restroom, right? Uh, and so we were trying to keep the bottles out. Uh, and then, of course, we had our own little student block, right? So you know you'd turn in your student id and you'd get a, a dollar ticket and you would sit together i'm 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 back in the 78 to 82 era mm-hmm. And so we would all sit together as a block. And it was a, it's just a cool thing sitting in the student section. I mean, Logan, you don't ever get to sit down in the student section. No, you have to stand up. Yeah. Your, your legs are going to hurt. That's part of the deal. Yeah. And if you sit down, you're going to miss the action. So oh, you're young.
4: you young it. back then. You can right. do that. <laughs>
3: exactly. Right? That's right. And exactly. my co-host, uh, you know, uh, Casey Boyce. I mean, Casey, did y'all have like standing room as y'all were watching the canoe competition
6: and <laughs>
3: Ultimate Frisbee and the other things y'all did at Colorado oh. College? Oh, All right, so so
6: one, this is a a display of shocking ignorance of what's important to Colorado College. We actually it's a small school, it's about two thousand people, Uh two thousand students. We had a D one men's hockey team, and we were competitive. Oh Oh, my and those were great games. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, I mean
3: hockey has you know it's come to Georgia. It's it's, it's coming on and come back. Yeah. Uh, uh, so uh, Logan, you been to a hockey game before? I've not been one here. No, yeah. I know that people
5: actually really enjoy it, but I've been to some old Atlanta Thrashers games, but never yeah. the the Georgia mm-hmm.
4: hockey. Would. Well, I've got, I got some for so, you. So my my daughter goes to Swanee. They're one zero against Alabama. They beat Alabama in nineteen eighty nine. I say ninety. Sorry, 18, in, 90, eight, or? No, in football. In football, eighteen ninety nine. They wow. beat them in football. Eighteen. 18-
6: Ninety
4: yeah. nine. Wow. So, they didn't so even, my, did
3: they wear helmets back then uh, or leather straps? Leather straps. Strap. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
6: My my aunt used to teach at Hampshire College and okay. they would sell T shirts that say undefeated because they don't have a football team. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like it's the same thing. Yeah, it's
3: similar. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're in the inside the Bulldog bubble and our show produced here in Athens. How can we not talk about uh, our beloved University of Georgia? But Dave, Elvey with Pago. Dave, you guys are creating that technology that really is giving customers more information than they've ever had. Tell us about
4: PAYGO. That's right. So what we do at PAYGO is we, we do bill calculations. We, when, so you know, and with these smart meters that that the utilities are putting out in place, think of this as water, gas, and electric. We will get a meter read in fr- frequently, sometimes either daily, sometimes even down hourly. We'll get a read in from a smart meter. We'll recalculate the customer's bill, and that way, the customer, when they log into their smartphone, around their in their um, you know the website, uh, even calling in, they can look at their web at their at their usage, and that gives customers more information than where they can make better decisions about. How they spend their money and how they use their energy or their water for that for that matter, uh, which again in today I'm a little concerned we, about you know energy affordability, and I think giving customers this kind of information is really important. And then I'll even tie it into gasoline. We all know how much gasoline is, is these days, and and so you know with we call you know, we call it a Prius effect. Have you ever driven a Prius or if your car calculates mileage in real time? You look at that and it helps you, you're getting this real-time information helps you save gas. So, so it, similar, similar.
6: It, Tim, when, when we survey customers, utility customers, one of the things that they are most interested in, in terms of utility programs is alerts. Mm-hmm. So it's outage alerts, you know, tell me when my power is coming back on and it's high bill alerts. And it sounds right. like, you know, Dave, what you guys are doing sort of un- underpins that ability to send a customer real time, like, Hey, your bill is going to be higher this month. If you keep doing what you're doing, that's, that's
4: right. And we, we'll tell them that they used $5.83 yesterday. Wow. Okay. Well, and then the next, and when you hit a 98 degree day here in in, you know, in, in Georgia, uh, it might be $8.50, right? And, and I, as someone who's been on a program like this for three years and have two teenage daughters, when I come home, I see that, you know, I got used $8 yesterday. I'm turning that thermostat up, right? And I'm unplugging curling irons. So I'm, I'm doing what I can. <clears throat> To save energy, again, it's it's really about keeping people notified. And we average person on our programs gets about twenty notifications a month. So, and, but they can notify, they can log in whenever they want to. Casey I
3: you know I go to a lot of events a lot of Rotary Club schools environmental groups I mean speaking is what I do more than anything anything else and I will have people talk to me about environmental justice social justice equity those are those are things coming up more and more and I will say to people Dave I will say to people if I had a choice of putting a solar per- panel on a low-income person's house, mm-hmm. or putting them on prepay, That I would put them on prepay if I'm concerned about them lowering their bill, because as your data originally showed, yeah. and you can give us an update, uh, but these customers, by getting these alerts, by getting more information, wind up saving about 10% on their bill yeah. over against what they were doing before they were that's, getting that's the right. alerts, and right? They can, and
4: they can save more than that if they want to, but it's something... I mean, again, I'm I'm an advocate of solar, and I, I'm a, I like you know wind, and but you know this is something that they can do immediately, right? They can make a phone call to their utility and be on prepay starting almost immediately. Where uh, some of these other technologies, it takes some time, and and this also helps renters. You know, if you're renting. You know, you're not necessarily going to put solar panels on your on your rental place, if, and if you can't talk your your landlord into doing such, so so it's something that can do immediately, right? And it's again, it could be part of an overall energy strategy that you have within your home within your premise.
6: So, Dave, have you started to combine not just that uh, data awareness, right? Like this is how much your bill is, you know, how much uh, you used yesterday, whatever the case may be, with recommendations of what people can do? And I, I ask because I've started to see so. I've got a client that's a gas utility. They just put in smart meters and they've got a high bill alert program, right? Mm -hmm. Again, something that their customers really want. And what they're trying to do is tie it into when the customer clicks through that alert, right? Right. Go see your usage. That there is a kind of personalized recommendation for you know. Here's what you can do to save. Like if this is high for you, you know, here's a program that you could go on. You know, energy efficiency program, or here's something you could do to conserve gas or things like. Like, are you seeing utilities doing that using your platform?
4: Well, I've seen. Uh, we had a client that uh, util- a big utility, Duke Energy, who would when they send out these these not- you know your notifications, they would actually put an energy tip on there. It's not per- mm-hmm. necessarily personalized, right? I can certainly see it get personalized yeah. but even what I get it from Georgia Power now it tells me that, that uh, I get a note once a month and It tells me it shows me my energy profile versus my neighbors versus someone that's the size of my house mm-hmm. if we could you know, maybe tie some of these systems more, better together but again, we give them energy tips but it's not personalized yet yeah. at this point but it's a great idea though
6: yeah it seems like that's the way that it's going though mm-hmm. is like from information to action
4: yeah,
3: right. knowledge mm-hmm. is really power when it comes to Not just politics and things like that, Casey,
6: but when it comes to knowing about your energy consumption. And it's interesting because those those energy reports, uh, Dave, that you mentioned that Georgia Power is sending out. And one of the criticisms that I have of that is that they don't know that I have an EV, even Mm -hmm. though I'm on an EV time of use rate. So they're comparing me to my neighbors and saying, you're using a lot more. And I'm saying, yeah, I'm also not buying any gasoline. Right. (laughs) Right. That's right.
4: Another thing I want to mention in these programs, though, is really important is the customer SAT numbers are off the charts. I mean, because, you know, investor-owned utilities a lot of times have issues a little bit because they're a monopoly, and they sometimes struggle with... public perception in some cases, but uh, these programs have an 80% generally, and you know, we, Baltimore Gas and Electric just did a program last, that ended up uh, a couple of months ago, had a 96% customer satisfaction rate. So it was really helpful. And then one other thing, because I, we didn't, I didn't, this is kind of new since last time I was here, was in the study that showed it, 68% of the people on this prepay program said that they had been disconnected less frequently and for a shorter duration hmm. than they would, were when they were on post-pay. Wow. Well, so, and
3: Casey, that means that you don't have to restock the refrigerator from all the rotten food right? that's thawed out. Mm-hmm. So when we come back, I want to keep talking to Dave. Uh, he's seeing more municipals, Casey, work with with this. And in some instances, an hourly billing. Uh, this is a- amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to talk about energy affordability in the days of inflation. I want to circle back to this Prius effect and talk about that a little bit. We've got Dave Elvey from Pago in the studio, Casey Boyce, my co-host. I'm Tim Eccles. You're listening to Energy Matter. Stick around. Hey this is Tim Eccles. You want to make your car boat jet ski look really cool? Use my friends at Wrap. That's GEM wrap. Just go to Facebook and put in gym wraps and you'll see what I'm talking about. Hey, Tim Eccles here, host of Energy Matters. Solar's growing like crazy in Georgia, and I certainly say buyer beware. It's great to have companies like Creative Solar USA on the job. Russ, why do folks need to reach out to you?
2: Tim, we're going on to our 14th year, and we have the best staff and most experienced installers in the state to get the job done right.
3: You can find out more at creativesolarusa.com or call 770-485-7438. That's creativesolarusa.com. B-M-V-W is the place in Metro Atlanta to get your used hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or fully electric car. They're located on the south side near the airport, but it is well worth the drive. Go online to look at their inventory at ev-hybrid.com and set up a time to see the vehicle or even drive it for up to three days. I don't know of anywhere else in Metro Atlanta that you can do that. That's ev-hybrid.com, the best deal in town, ev-hybrid.com, ev-hybrid.com. But how? We thank John Gornall and all the attorneys and staff at AGG for sponsoring our show. Hey, we're back with Dave LV. Dave uh, LV. E L V E. What's yeah. the What's the uh, origin of oh, the I'm name? I'm glad
4: you asked. I'm, I'm really big into name, name names and um, you know genealogy, right? So it's Dutch. Hmm. So my grandparents are uh, from the Netherlands. Wow,
3: you know, Casey. I think you know we are going to be talking about alternative fuels later uh, in in the episode, but we're going to have to talk about bikes before we let Dave get out of here mm-hmm. because right. Rotterdam, Amsterdam. Oh, yeah. oh my goodness! You're talking about. I'm not talking about spandex riding bicyclists. I'm just talking about old people <laughs> riding. I'm talking, talk, well, talking riding <laughs> uh, I'm talking about everybody. What's
4: that? Talking about
6: spandex riding? I'm talking about everybody
4: riding bicycles. Well, and, and
6: maybe that's why Dave, you've got an affinity to orange. <laughs> Could be, because that's their soccer team color. Exactly. It is orange. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, it's wow. It's yeah. huge there. Well,
3: Dave's an Auburn guy, and he is wearing orange today. <laughs> Casey, uh, uh, Colorado College? That's right. Was it? Casey and Logan and I went to, to UGA. Uh, Dave, let's go back to mm-hmm. what's happening with municipals. And every Thursday morning, I do a 30-minute stream with a different georgia city okay and i've been doing this for over a year so i have a chance to talk with the city manager a clean energy expert uh of what we call a good citizen and then we always do a little segment on human trafficking because i'm really trying to raise awareness yeah. about that um so i'm constantly trying to help people see that this is a huge blight on our state but municipals typically i mean because they're smaller they don't have as many resources they sometimes are a little bit slower but but when it comes to this hourly billing thing i haven't heard of anybody doing this this is pretty
4: outstanding yeah so this is something we've introduced in the last couple years we have a couple municipals over in south carolina And we're hoping to, we're talking to a couple of municipals here in Georgia doing the same thing. And this is municipal billing using smart metering. Uh, It's water, gas, and electric. So it's really cool because, I mean, you literally, you go and wash your car and you can tell what that costs you in Mm -hmm. water okay or you water your yard you can literally see what that costs wow. you and and getting water is an issue too right we 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 know we've had droughts in the past so way this works is that the customers get this information and then on a mobile app or they can pull their phone out of their pocket and Pay their bill with a credit card or this cat. Last time I was here, we were talking about a cash payment solution that's at Walmart, Dollar General's Family Dollars, and then so it's an integrated billing system, Mm -hmm. it's integrated communications, and it's integrated payment. So you you can. I told the story. I think last time I was here that you know I was on. I I had been disconnected because I misread my my (laughs) fault. I misread my text message. um, Got disconnected. Pulled over. Made a cash payment like a Dollar General, twenty dollars, and my meter came back on in thirty seconds. Hmm. Wow! Okay, and so with with municipals, I can you know again they're they're in a lot of similar situations that you know other the IOUs that we've been dealing with. Um, they want customer sats big, conservation's big. You know, they, they want convenience for customers. And, you know, it's a great platform to build to, and again, engage their customers. Um, you know, we, we provide cheaper payment channels, generally more convenient payment channels. And, again, I think this billing thing is, is really big.
3: Casey, uh, the Department of Natural Resources, uh, about every quarter they do a – coke syrup rain barrel making workshop right yeah where you can come and you pay i think 25 or 35 dollars they provide the kit that's got the hardware in it they've got the drill there Mm -hmm. uh, and they've got the instructor and they help you make a rain barrel so that you do not have to use treated water to water your flowers and you Mm -hmm. think about like the ncr building downtown has a massive cistern under the parking deck jekyll island i was told recently under their parking lot when they had redone that they put a massive cistern Mm -hmm. there and i mean when you when you save water You're actually saving energy, too, aren't
6: you, Casey? Yeah. Well, there's this whole idea, and we've talked a little bit about it. It's been a while on the show, but uh, this idea of the energy-water nexus, right? And so what this essentially is is that, look, it it takes energy to produce potable water, right? You've got to treat it. You've got to pump it, all of that stuff, right? So that takes energy. The flip side is that it also takes water to make energy. So particularly for thermal power plants, coal or nuclear, they're running a lot of water through those plants to produce steam to run turbines that produce electricity. So there is this nice idea of like saving water and saving energy go hand in hand. Dave, are you seeing people, cities, uh, EMCs, utilities,
3: There's a lot of water utilities out west, but are you seeing them
4: employ more technology
3: to help people save? For, for water specifically? Yes. Yes,
4: I am. And um, what, part of the problem, Commissioner, is that uh, the water technology is, is um, in case you probably know this as well, is, is electric meters are pretty simple. I mean, you put it in a, in a socket, right? But water, especially here in Georgia, it goes in a pit. So, you know, it's it's a very difficult environment to put smart metering in because, you know, they be, <laughs> you be you could fire ants, you get, you know, you get they're underwater mm-hmm. and the cost per endpoint is is pretty it's a little bit more than you'd say on the electric side. And then you have line of sight issues for radio. I don't want to get too technical, but you get you line of sight for radio, radio frequency. It's hard to do when you're underground. It's right? hard to do when you're underground. So the technology has just gotten better. They're actually putting cellular modems now into water meters, so it can talk to the cellular network. So, uh, and the price point starts coming down. And then keep in mind too, the average water bill generally is less countrywide, let's say, than an electric bill. So,
3: Dave, I'm told that heating hot water in a home, shower, dishwasher, mm-hmm. washing machine, uh, hot water heaters, about 17% of the average electric bill. Are you seeing... People recognize that? Are you seeing any technology employed to help people in their heating of hot water in their home?
4: Well, I, I, well, I was going to say a little bit about gas. I want to talk a little bit about natural gas because we're doing the same thing for natural gas. Mm-hmm. And then I do want to touch, touch on because we there's a natural gas utility in the, in the Midwest that COVID, I just want to touch on COVID, and then I'll go back to your question was the average customer arrearage in this utility in the Midwest is $1,000 these are bills that the customers haven't paid. This is a natural gas utility, right? So what we're trying to do is how do we, you know, help those customers pay off those long, mm-hmm. So pay off, pay off those bills. Um, there are technologies that do help customers kind of figure out, segment their usage, you know, Whether it's the water heater, whether it's HVAC, whether it's their pool pump, with other types of, and those technologies are getting better. In fact, we're actually starting to see some of the meter manufacturers trying to incorporate that into the meter itself, so Mm -hmm. they can actually see, help determine what you know, and then time of day is another thing. Obviously, with with the electric vehicle, right? Um, That technology is is not quite there, And, and the other thing is is. Customer adoption—we're not seeing a lot of demand. We have maybe five or ten percent of customers that are really interested in knowing what that refrigerator costs. Um, I think as prices go up, you'll see more of that. Casey, uh, I'm, I'm going to tell you a secret.
3: Don't tell anyone. Um, yeah, uh, but customer satisfaction—and and Dave's referring to Dave lv here with Pego—he's he's calling customer sat, but he's mm-hmm. talking about. Customers, customer satisfaction, and for those of uh, you listening out there, I mean those, those those are those. That's you. That's you. And whether you are happy or not with all aspects of how you interact with your utility, Casey. The studies show that people view their commissioner through the lens of that utility and how satisfied they are. So if they're unhappy, uh, like in South Carolina with a nuclear plant. That was closed. Mm-hmm. Uh, then they get rid of all their commissioners. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and do you see that as you work with your clients, Casey, in
6: other states? Yeah. So I wanted to actually kind of uh, talk about this and bring it back to something that Dave mentioned in the, the first segment. So, you know, when we look at within our, our studies, satisfaction is still a very important part of the utility customer relationship. But we actually think that engagement is more important. We see some evidence for that in terms of, you know, certain outcomes that the utility business cares about. And what's interesting thing is, you know, Dave, we were talking about earlier, this idea of providing information, but then providing a recommendation, whether it's a conservation tip or a mm-hmm. program, um, you know, you talked about the Prius effect, right? This idea that just making things visible, it's kind of like a game, right? Mm-hmm. And so you're engaging with it, you're coasting to the stoplight rather than using the brakes or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I think what you're talking about and the kind of things that that PAYGO does really helps uh, move that utility customer relationship, not just to a place of like, yeah, I'm happy with the utility, but I'm actually engaged and I'm doing stuff with the utility or mm-hmm. with my energy or water use um, in a way that potentially is beneficial both to me and to the utility.
4: Yeah, let me, I'll give you. I'll give an example of uh, how the utility benefits from this as well. Is that I touched a little bit on, on COVID and um, with having these customers with these large balances that they can't pay because they, they limited, right. they stopped disconnections for, for a while and that was a good thing. And then they, they, when they came back to normal business, you had customers that had 500 to $1,000 bills. Well, what's happening is when a customer calls the call center generally, they call for a payment arrangement. I can't pay my, my $1,000 bill. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll pay you next week or whatever. We'll, we'll pay $100 a week. 80% of the time, those payment arrangements fail, where the customer has to call the call center again. And on prepay, what we've seen from a, a variety of our different customers is that 80% of the time they come on with a pre, with a balance on the prepay program, they pay it off. Hmm. And that helps a lot with customer, customers, because customers want to pay their bill, right? right? And they don't want to call the call center. And in fact, even in the call center, we've seen the morale in the call center go up, because the, the, the call, call center reps have another tool to use to help that's great.
3: Casey, I think we're going to have to bring you back another segment. This is just too good. Uh, we, there's, there's some other things I want to talk to. We didn't get to the Prius effect. I, I want to mm-hmm. talk to uh, this, this whole idea of energy affordability uh, in the days of inflation. I want to talk a little bit more about prepay and maybe even dive into You know these COVID arrearages, and why in Georgia we didn't last let that last that long, Mm -hmm. and and why. So hey, stick around. I got Dave Elvey from Pago and Casey Boyce, my co-host. We're talking energy. We're talking technology. I'm Tim Eccles. You're listening to Energy Matters.
5: Logan Booker here, producer of Energy Matters, and I want to tell you about the Advanced Power Alliance. For more than 20 years now, the Advanced Power Alliance has been leading the energy transition in America's traditional energy states. They advocate for wind energy, solar power, and energy storage, all while partnering with traditional resources to ensure that America has abundant, affordable, cleaner energy to power our homes, our lives, as well as our economy. With the growth of solar and advanced storage and power generation technologies, every state now has the opportunity to be a leading energy state. Advanced Power Alliance is proud to partner with the Georgia Large-Scale Solar Association and work with the Public Service Commission, Georgia Power, and their customers as Georgia continues to be one of America's leading renewable energy states. You can learn more about the Advanced Power Alliance at poweralliance.org. That's poweralliance.org.
3: Eccles from Marlin Gas Services. In addition to supplying natural gas in emergency situations, Marlin Gas Services provides temporary fuel supply during planned pipeline maintenance and other scheduled outages, or to help customers meet code compliance. Customers include large companies, utilities, commercial businesses, industrial facilities, and even the Westin Hotel and Convention Center in Savannah when that pipe was busted under the Savannah River. Visit MarlinGas.com to learn more that's MarlinGas.com Hey Tim Eccles back one more segment with Dave Elvey of Pago I just am such a fan of the prepay I mean we've, we've got Tens of thousands of customers on this tariff, and people are, like you said in the previous segment, they can get out of this back debt that they had. They're saving money on their bill without having to spend anything uh, on panels on their house or even insulation in their attic. All those things are good, mm-hmm. but they simply have changed the way that they're getting information.
4: Yeah, it it's a behavior change based on real near real-time information right for them. Um, so I think that's that's key, and uh, that's really where we're seeing the behavior change.
3: Yeah, Casey, uh, you guys have done that study. We had you on as my doc, as my car psychiatrist, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, and we talked about Maslow and all this yep. stuff, but. How much psychology goes
6: into this as people are getting these messages? Well, I mean it's it's a lot of it, right? And and you know, part of it is that it changes the nature of your relationship with energy, right? I mean, what Dave was talking about and being able to see, you know, how much does it cost to watch to wash my car, to water my lawn or to make dinner? <laughs> you think about it in a different way and you understand how you use and you make better decisions as a result of that information. You know, if you go back to the the historical and still the case for a lot of people, they get their energy bill or their water bill at the end of the month after they've done whatever they've done. I don't know why it's $100 this month and it was $50 last month, right? You, you don't have that feedback in the way that you do with the kind of thing that you, know, you get with prepay where you get that daily text of here's what your balance is, here's how much you used. Dave, I can't tell you how many customers, particularly with
3: gas bills, that I have had the company send a written report of their daily gas usage to try to help that customer figure out when did this spike. What? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, my my mother was here and she yeah. likes it hot, and <laughs> you know she was here a week in February, and it's made me essentially have a new D D D C factor, and it's, it's caused my gas to go up for an entire year as a result. Of this, so having customers understand when they're using the energy, and how it's impacting their bill. I mean, that's a huge piece
4: of information. Yeah, the, the classic, the classic example is the the first bill you get in December after Thanksgiving weekend, because it gets cold. It's starting to get cold at the same time you have all these people for Thanksgiving, and we, they and the call centers get a lot of calls and they explain to them you know it, it went from average of 50 degrees to 40 degrees and did you have everybody over thanksgiving yes i did again now they can look at their bill and actually see that and they when they correlate their usage right to so the dollar yeah. to the dollar okay. this is 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 critically important this is why again when i've talked about these municipals that have water gas electric if they can see all three in terms of dollars, which yeah, that's huge,
3: Casey. The Prius effect that he talked about in segment one. Uh, do you find yourself coasting down hills in your electric car? Do you it,
6: it, because it does translate over, right? It does, and it depends on what I'm doing. Um, most of the time, no. But um, you know, we've got a big road trip coming up, and we're going to try and stretch the you know distance between chargers so that we don't have to charge as many times. So yeah, I'll be paying a lot of attention during that trip.
3: Yeah. So the the Prius effect, Dave. Hey, yeah. T- us again define I, uh, that yeah, for folks just coming in yeah, too, i'll, I'll uh, tell you show. i'm gonna
4: tell you funny because saying because I, I unfortunately have a suburban which i'm the, probably the least energy efficient person other but my car still shows me my average you know miles per gallon hmm. and i will reset it and i'll try to get better each time part of that is the coasting part but the, the whole prius effect is is when you, if you've ever driven a prius and again, there are a lot of cars that have these average miles per gallon, and what you're what you're doing is you see yourself, when you when you take you your foot off the gas, you see you're at 99.9% miles per gallon or, or efficiency. And you'll see a lot of folks, when they're driving and they see a stop sign and, or a stoplight going, going forward, they'll let off the gas or they'll use less energy, and you'll see that go to 99. And it's a, it's a proven effect that when customers see that that data, it helps them drive more efficiently. It's called, we call it the Prius effect.
3: And that translates to how you're providing them information now with some of the, uh, I guess, the infrastructure behind this technology of being able to tell a customer um, that you used a, a dollar more of energy today than you did yesterday, you right? Did,
4: yeah, or it, exactly, and I think, uh, it's not, a lot of times it's not just a dollar, right? I mean, it can be significant. It can be, you know, four or $5 a day. And then what you're eliminating too is what we see talking to customers, commissioners, that they'll get a bill, they get that bill at the end of the month in August and it's $350, they get sticker shock. They have no clue. And at that point they're in deep, right? Cause then if they get disconnected, they have to pay a late fee or reconnection fee or additional deposit. And we're trying to eliminate that let's call that sicker or that debt spiral. And if you can tell them what that is every day, and believe me, I'm telling you, people really figure, make that correlation and it helps them to lose less energy. It really it's it's been proven in lots of different states now. Dave, you
3: were at the event that and I speak for Jamie Wimberly mm-hmm. a lot at his events. Uh, I so appreciate what what he's doing, the work that you're doing. Jamie is it a D,
4: D-E-F-G? Correct, yeah, D-E-F-G, correct,
3: right? And I know the last time I spoke, um, there was a conversation about the arrearages mm-hmm. for Folks that had gotten behind, uh, and uh, and folks may remember during COVID that a lot of utilities, virtually every state, essentially told people uh, we're not going to turn you off uh, and no no disconnections, a moratorium mm-hmm. on disconnections, and and I suggested at this meeting that maybe. That should have been a little more nuanced. Maybe hmm. we should have had people apply for that instead of just across the board right. telling people that they didn't have to pay because who you know it's human nature to say okay I'm not going to pay. And I think we put people in a difficult position as then they they uh, they racked up huge bills, and then a lot of the environmental groups and they were like. 25 groups that came in and signed a petition to us saying you should just socialize all of this debt and just uh, and just have other rate payers pay mm-hmm. it and I just Dave I guess I just recoil at the idea that I should be paying your bill,
4: yeah.
3: uh, and and so I, I, I mean this is a policy decision, but you you were in the room, you heard me say it.
4: Yeah, that. I did. And, um, and and by the way, uh, I think New Jersey is finally as of like a week ago is starting to ins- reinstitute disconnections. Oh my. Uh, I think the state of New York has 1.7 billion dollars of uh, in arrearages in oh the state of New York, right? So, again, how do you how do you handle those? I, I thought Georgia did a really good job. I think I think initially there was a, probably a period of time that where there should be a moratorium, and also what Georgia did too was um, when they started to institute the, re- the the connections or disconnections again, you were able to apply if you had a medical condition or you had some, what you thought you were at high risk. Yes. And customers were able to actually, you know, opt out of the disconnect for a period of time. That was a good thing. Which that I thought was, was a great qualification
3: idea. That was we probably should have had in the beginning. That was a
4: great thing. And we put that in our system um, over a weekend, essentially, and we were able to imp- implement that. And I thought that was a, a really nice compromise. So, but again, you know, I, I had the conversation with my gym, you know, it, it was tough because they had some people you know, pushing the, 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 the saying, you know, wait, I don't want to pay everyone else to build any you know, other people. Hey, we need to be compassionate. Same thing with the, you know, about wearing masks and being vaccinated. So, you know, it's, it's a, I think Georgia handled it really well. Uh, I've seen other States, I think didn't handle it as well.
3: Davis, you think about energy affordability, just a couple minutes left uh, in, in this segment in the days of inflation, right? With $5 mm-hmm. diesel and $4 mm-hmm. gas and uh, and, and rising prices. Uh, I mean, I can't think of anything that's not going up. Uh, are you guys bracing uh, for uh, you know an impact? And how do customers prepare for it?
4: Well, it, it, Commissioner, you know it's it's uh, as I've said before, it does help customers with cash flow, and cash flow is a big is a big problem for low and for, for low income customers. Anything that that can help customers with cash flow is, is going to be helpful, in even in an inflationary period. But again, I think I've heard, I don't know if it was you or someone else saying that we, they anticipate maybe three rate increases in the next 12 months. I'm not, I can't recall if it was Georgia and other. So we are going to have in, inflation with energy costs. I'm a big fan of what we do. And I think that any way you can help customers reduce the, their monthly usage is going to be helpful, right? And I can't control what the ever energy costs are going to be, but I, I think we can help customers control kind of the demand and their usage of the, of the energy.
3: So if you're sitting out there are listening to us and you're going man my bill's going up and you know, I don't have that second job that I had, and I'm having trouble paying. One, there's, you know, you you've got some opportunities for assistance if you've lost your job and mm-hmm. if you're if you're making less than poverty. The Salvation Army will help you once a year. Right. Pay a bill. Your church might uh, be willing to help, and there are other charity groups out there, whether it's Heat, a group in Atlanta, mm-hmm. uh, or St. Vincent de Paul. Uh, they they will they will assist if you meet certain. Income requirements, and then Dave, there's the idea of putting insulation in your house right. uh, and reducing the amount you're paying. Uh, you know, you're probably if you're if you're struggling, you're probably not going to be able to afford to do something like solar. Uh, uh, but going on this prepay program is certainly something folks should consider. Dave, just in our last. 20 seconds how can folks find out about paygo
4: I would go to your utility right and a lot of co-ops here in Georgia offer prepay programs and Georgia power if you go to georgiapowercom slash prepay you can look at their uh, their prepay offerings you know so I, that's what I would recommend is go to your utility if they don't have it ask them to, to, to look into it
3: Thanks for being uh, on Energy Matters again today. Thanks for having me. It was a great, great time. Thank you. Hey, Tim Eccles here. Stick around one more segment today. We appreciate you listening to Energy Matters. uh, And Dave, uh, keep up the great work. Thank you. I'm Tim Eccles. You're listening to Energy Matters. Tim Eccles, host of Energy Matters, here with Jeff Pratt of Green Power EMC. Jeff, more and more EMCs are offering solar to their members, and you're seeing it grow like crazy across rural Georgia. Tim, you're right. Co-ops in Georgia are doing a great job of
5: deploying solar across the state. In fact, they're leaders in the country with respect to engaging
3: customers and deploying large-scale solar to benefit all their members. Hey, contact your EMC and ask them about their solar energy policy, or just Google Green Power EMC.
5: This segment of Energy Matters is sponsored by Hall Booth Smith. This law firm works with over 88 Fortune 500 companies and they have offices from Brunswick to Athens, tifton to columbus and of course atlanta we'd like to thank hall booth smith for the great work they do with school boards hospitals cities and counties all over our state see more at
3: hallboothsmith.com hey tim eccles back for another segment uh, with marcus and mara Zaniga, and they own green service environmental great to have you guys in the studio marcus Thank you. And Mara? Thank you so much, Tim. Yeah, you guys have been, Mara, y'all have been married 35 years. 35 years, yeah. yes. Well, have you learned a lot in 35 years? Yes,
1: there's a lot of give and take. You have to have patience and communication with your partner. I
3: think a lot of people think it's a smooth ride, but to get to 35 years, there's a lot of bumps on the road. Wow. Marcus, you guys have a farm. Inca Maya, how'd you come up with that name?
2: Well, actually, I am a... Uh originally from Ecuador, South America, so the Incas was, uh, are, are from there. And Mara is originally from Nicaragua, Central America, where the Mayans come from. So my kids actually put together those two words, Inca and Maya, and we come up with that name, Inca Maya Farms.
3: Wow, my oldest, Emily, who lives over in Lake Lanier, married to TJ from Boston. Uh, he's from Puerto, his mom's from Puerto Rico. Uh, Uh, Emily and I went to Peru when she was a little girl, about nine, on a mission trip and um, worked with a missionary there and had the opportunity to eat chicken heart, no, beef heart on a stick. Uh, in the street, uh, we learned a lot while we were in Peru. We did puppet shows. Uh, we went to a trash dump where people were living. It was just a really sad situation. Uh, Marcus and Mara, uh, let me ask you, Mara. As you, you know, as as you think about the difficulty that people are having since the pandemic, people just having living life. Uh, I, I know. It's probably something you want to make a difference in, right?
1: Definitely. Uh, My parents grew up in poverty, and they're missionaries. Actually, after they retired from a successful company, my parents retired back to Nicaragua to help the poor. So oftentimes, myself and my kids and and Marcos, we have traveled back to just help with clothes, medicine. And we have experienced seeing so much poverty over there. That it really hurts your soul you know when you come back to the u.s you are so much grateful for even small things you know the very small things that you have it makes us very conscious of what we have around us you know how fortunate we are and we try to help people as much as we can
3: mara my wife has gone to honduras uh, on multiple mission trips to romania in some difficult places and seen some very poor people and she has told me as she's come back that Wow, I wish more young people could go into these very difficult countries and see how blessed we are mm-hmm. in America. Marcus, you feel blessed to be uh, here in America, having your own farm, your yes. own company. Wow, what yes, an opportunity. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Marcus,
2: tell us about Green Source Environmental. Well, Green Source Environmental is a, is a local company here in Athens, and uh, we are specialized in asbestos removal, uh, mold remediation, lead-based paint removal and also we do uh, demolition wow you think about the
3: some of the hazards that you just mentioned i mean for a long time in our country we didn't know it was a problem until it was a problem uh have you you've seen some tragic situations with with health uh, with people have you had a chance to see people that have been impacted by
2: some of these contaminants Yes, yes, I know people that uh, have now mesothelioma, that is uh, one of the most, most common uh, cancer forms that, from asbestos when you are exposed to asbestos for a long time. Also kids that have, uh, um, have uh, been uh, uh, exposed? exposed to lead paint also with problems, yes.
3: Mara, uh, you live on a farm. You guys have Black Angus cattle. You grow your own crops. Um, is the farm life for you? Do you like living on a farm? And, wh- and what have you learned from the experience?
1: I actually love it. And, and there's a history behind that in the sense that I'm a city girl. I never experienced uh, looking at a chicken except in a supermarket (laughs) and having moved to a farm was a little bit difficult at first because, you know, people don't realize the amount of work that takes to run a farm from something simple like chicken, you know, feeding the chicken, getting up early, getting the the eggs. Uh, When when your animals get sick, at one point we had sheep and goats, Um, we're planning on having more animals because we worked on the infrastructure of the the farm. We've been working on that for the past two years. but it takes a lot of patience and love and dedication to be on a farm. And and that to me was something new as far as uh, dealing in that level of dedication. It was always towards business. It was always to a big city. When you change to a uh, farm, it's it's almost the same thing, but, but, but the target is different. So I lived in both worlds, you know, the farm and the city and definitely the 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 farm is a little bit more challenging because you have weather conditions that sometimes are unpredictable and you have to deal with those or, or unpredictable situations when your animals get loose and you have to go chasing after a bull that's in the you know driveway <laughs> and you have to get food things like that you know but i love the the farm life and it's challenging and and every time we try something new or add something to our farm is exciting for myself and and my kids and actually my daughter because of the way she grew up on the farm you know she's she uh, graduated with master's degree in global ethics and human values and she uh, specializes in environmental policies towards corporate levels.
3: Um, One of the charities I support Friends for Refugees down in Clarkson Georgia they have a two-acre track they had it they had it engineered with bioswells. i'm not i'm not a botanist or, or or a farmer but um but they've got this two acre track in the city of clarkston and they will take little pieces of it about the size of this studio uh, about you know 12 by 12 and you can rent that for 35 dollars a year i think and then you can grow it's, it's, it's not a community garden because you don't have to work in my garden. I work in my garden, right? So maybe I grow my native peppers from my country. There's a lot of refugees that come into Clarkston. Maybe I grow a certain kind of uh, beet or celery, or uh, and, and I can consume it with my family. I can share it, or I can sell it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this uh, this this way of doing this these garden plots and having people pay where they feel like they're making an investment. They feel like it's theirs. Uh, people aren't going to, you know, pe- other people aren't going to be responsible for, for, for weeding their garden or fertilizing their garden. They're responsible for it. But do you, do you feel like, Mara, that there's a place for agriculture in cities like Athens?
1: I do. I do. I've heard a lot about, for example, we moved away from New York, 50, no, like 20 years ago, right? Close to 20 years ago. And after we left, uh, I heard a lot about uh, little places like that in Brooklyn. You know, you have plots of neighborhood gardens where people came and started growing things. And then you have rooftops where people planted their gardens. And I saw pictures of that, and um, I thought it was a fantastic idea. I think cities need more of that, for
3: sure. Marcus, you guys are looking at solar. Uh, solar has become very popular here in Georgia and, and We're seeing we're seeing it at scale and in terms of even farms that say, you know what, we're not going to grow corn anymore. We're going to grow solar panels. And they do a 35 year lease with a solar company. But you also see farmers with uh, with pivot irrigation that will take the dry corners of that because those pivots kind of travel in a in a path or uh, half a circle. And, uh, hey, we want to put solar over here in these dry corners and be able to take advantage of, you know, something where we weren't able to harvest in these corners. You guys are wanting to do solar. What's, what is your hope uh, at Inca Maya
2: Farms for solar? Well, our hope is to become uh, sustainable, pretty much, you know, uh, raise our own... Uh, you know, uh, meat and uh, grow our own crops and, and also produce our own energy. That's pretty much our goal.
3: The microgrid movement that's going on uh, as we're recording. There's a conference in Boston that's talking nothing but about nothing but microgrids. The idea of of you being able to produce energy, maybe store it in a battery, maybe have a a natural gas or propane generator uh, that allows you to be more independent. Uh, That's really really catching on around the country. Fortunately, in Georgia, we've got an extremely reliable grid and. Uh, and it's not, it, it's, it's not that way everywhere. I think about my wife going to Honduras and the mission compound that they stayed in. Well, they knew that at a certain time every day they were going to lose electricity, mm-hmm. uh, yes. and it was regular brownouts. Have you seen in your travels uh, that other countries have an unreliable grid, Mara?
1: Yes. In Nicaragua, they had unreliable grids and they have uh, a lot of places where they have solar panel now in Nicaragua and wind. So I, I saw that a lot in Nicaragua.
3: Well, Mara, just in our last minute, you're running for mayor. I am. Uh, and I wanted to, uh, you know, I'm, I'm an elected official, so I'm always intrigued. Uh, what's causing you to want to wanna run?
1: Well, originally I got in, I, into politics because I wanted to find out what was going on in my community. I went to a couple events that uh, some of the state officials came by and people from the community came by to express their concerns. I had no idea that there were so many issues that were uh, taking off that people were dissatisfied. One of them was probably the homeless encampment uh, that we have right now. The other issues were transparency with the government. You know, people did not know how money was being spent. They wanted to get, you know, answers. And uh, I started going to the Mayor and Commissioner Sessions to listen to what was being discussed and seeing how people were being heard. And there was an issue with people being heard. And I felt that uh, I needed to run because... Uh, of the issues that weren't being addressed by the community to the community
3: where can folks find out more uh, about your campaign uh i'm on on the internet MaraForMayor.com. and that's spelled m-a-r-a for mayor.com
1: and that's not the number four that's the word for MaraforMayor.com, and i'm also on facebook
3: thank you both for coming in marcus mara good luck thank you Tim. thank you i hope you've enjoyed our show today dave elvey Marcus Mara. Uh, you can hear Energy Matters uh, anytime at WGAUradio.com and click on demand. I'm Tim Eccles. Have a great weekend, everyone.